Hey everyone, you may not know this, but the Know Your Gear podcast is 100% sponsored by patrons. No companies have ever been involved with this podcast. 235 episodes, all sponsored by you guys. And I want to say thank you. And if you want to sponsor, you just go to the Phil McKnight Patreon page. Okay, Mark says, uh, Reverb, I think he means the effect, not the, not the selling platform. Uh, just basic information. I'm a bit overwhelmed with the products in the market. Yes, uh, you know, there's why all these YouTube channels exist now is because... There's just too many choices. There's so much choices. Um, it's not like I can't find any good stuff. It's like everywhere is good stuff. Here's what I will give you, Mark, is the best advice for reverb. Um, I would definitely try to determine what kind of reverb you like, whether it's a hall reverb, a plate, or a spring. There's other kinds of reverbs, but I really find that most players kind of gravitate towards those things. Uh, plate, hall, or spring. That's a pretty straightforward thing to figure out. You can always get a pedal that does all three. I think if I was going to recommend like a basic reverb that I think is really good is the Hall of Fame from uh, TC Electronics. Whether you get the small one or the bigger one, although I would look at the bigger one if you don't want to plug the small one into a computer or do any of that kind of crap. But or, or, you know, your tone prints from your phone and stuff. But Hall of Fame, pick one up used. Uh, reverb. It's fantastic reverb. And I hope that's right. Is the Hall of Fame the delay of the reverb? Now I got to look. Because now, hold on. I'm pretty sure I am right. But just to just to be sure. Hold on. Yep, Hall of Fame. They make a Hall of Fame 2. Uh, I don't like the 2 as much as the first one, but either one's fine. The 2 has this expression plunger thing that I could care less about. But... Mark, trust me, if you get the Hall of Fame reverb and you can't find a decent reverb out of that, um, you don't like reverb, buddy. You're okay. I think it will have everything you want in, in the world. And it's a it's a dial. You just turn the selection to what you like, and when you hear what you like, stop. That's a great reverb pedal. I don't think you can go wrong. And you can get really good deals on them. Look around cheap. Um, especially if you... I would definitely look at Guitar Center used or music stores. People who sell theirs used tend to like, hey, I paid 170 and you can have it for 140 But a lot of times used stores, man, 79 bucks. Get score that pedal. Uh, no problem. Like I said, straightforward pedal, easy. And that will help you decide what kind of reverb you like. Vapier Guitar says, do you answer any of your messages or emails? It's just trying to give you some business. Um, yes, I have currently, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I'm like everybody else. I get to, uh, most of you guys that get responses from me, you know, you get them about a week to two weeks after you sent them. Uh, and again, it's from just, I go in order of what I can get through. It's, it's the downfall of this YouTube arena is that, you know, it's, it's not like you're legitimately famous so that you have an assistant or have somebody helping me go through this stuff or anybody kind of like here, uh, you know, it's just literally, I have to read these one by one and go through them and respond to them. And a lot of times if the, com- the question's too complicated for an easy response, I like kind of park it and go, okay, I'll come back to it. Uh, I know you guys keep hearing this from all these channels all the time. Like, hey, I can't get to all my comments and questions and emails and stuff. You just can't. It's physically impossible. The size is astronomical. Um, it, it's, 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 but I do try. Like I said, I put a good, look, I put a full minimum, a full eight-hour work, uh, work day, eight hours a week into just responding to emails a week. May not sound like a big deal, um, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of hours a week in responding. So if I, I will always try for sure. Uh, and even if it's business, sometimes, like I said, it's opportunities. I lose out on opportunities all the time because I can't get to them, but I will look for years now that you said something. And see. 
I have no idea how to read this. I'm going to read it. I'm going to go, ready? Phil, what would be the emotional, political, and already scary, and social ramifications of getting rid of my 19 guitars and starting over? I don't know. Your guitar's political? <laughs> okay, right. Six years ago, I owned three guitars. Okay, I blame KYG. Aren't you the one who says there's always a guitar? Um, no, that's definitely not me that says there's always a guitar. Like an, always another guitar? Maybe I said it once, but it's not something I like firmly believe in. Um, it's uh, uh, There's no ramifications. Here's the easy part. Nothing. N- uh, none. <laughs> you could totally go down. Uh, if you sold all 19 guitars and started over again, the only ramifications was you're going to be paying more for all any guitar you buy going forward. Financially, it wouldn't be awesome. <laughs> it would be expensive. And if you buy any of those guitars again, that would suck. But no, uh, it's a question that comes up all the time about getting rid of, hey, I'm going to get rid of all my stuff and start over. Uh, it's up to you guys. You know, it's up to you to do that stuff. I find that I find it depends on how you how you think of this stuff. How I think of this stuff is, like I said over and over again, I do not literally go, okay, every day I play something different. You know, I'm not looking for things for different sounds. Like I don't, like I told you guys this before, my YouTube channel, uh, and I always say this over and over again, my YouTube channel creates an environment that wouldn't exist without it. In other words, there's a lot of things that I show you guys or I have and I use all the time that essentially if I stop making demonstration review videos tomorrow, that stuff would all be gone the day after. Like there's no reason to have it laying around or have it at all. And then I would go back to what my core, like what I use all the time for guitars, amps, and pedals, what I use. That being said, I don't really use a whole lot of products like, oh, this is my this tone, this is my that tone. In other words, I don't like have a, this amp's really for metal and this amp's really for blues. I really have a, this is the amp I use, and then one day I plug into it and it just doesn't doesn't do anything for me. So then I switch to a different amp and then I'm in a mood. So I'm always in a favorites category. I always have an amp or a guitar or a pedal that's my favorite uh, it could be daily, could be weekly, monthly, yearly, but there's t- t- turns. Like a lot of you guys keep pointing out that I keep playing the SG, which I have next to me right here. This SG. Uh, yeah, I keep playing it. Why? I don't know. <laughs> you guys are like, is it magic? Is it great? I, I don't know. I just started playing it and then watching a couple months or weeks or days or whatever. You guys won't see it for months or days or years and I'll be on to something else. I'll play something else. But it's not always something new. Sometimes it's just something old. I just grab it and start playing it. So I, I don't think there's any ramifications to getting rid of stuff. I get rid of stuff all the time. I, I very rarely come to you know any kind of negative of that. Other than, like I said, never get rid of anything you think you might buy again because it will cost you more the second time. Uh, Mike from Oregon says, Phil, with 6,000 question marks in front of it, what's your opinion on the Ingle Iron Ball worth $700 used? They were getting like six for those. Now they're up to seven. That makes sense. I have the Iron Ball SE, which I did a video, which is basically the same amp, just the Iron Ball SE has all the super duper like delays and reverbs and all that stuff. And and um, it's a legit amp. Like I said, I would definitely put that amp against anything in in the market for how it sounds and does, you know, how it, what it does. Um, so yeah, $700 used. Sure. It's made in Germany. It's built really well. It's got a good clean channel. It's got a good gain channel. I like it. I like it a lot. Next question is, can I still get a guitar stand? Are you talking about the KYG stands, I assume? You cannot. We had 100 limited edition stands. Whoops. I think, I never got the official number. I asked my wife. Uh, I, th- I think they actually made, end up making 
I want to say 107, but I think she told me there was actually 102 made. So I say there's 100 edition, 100 limited edition ones, but obviously one was a prototype. That would be the 101. And then um, I sent uh, two out promotionally. And so we didn't want to count that against the numbers. So they're they're done now. Um, we're not going to do that again anytime soon that I know of. Um, however, you can still buy those zither stands. They just won't have the New Year Year logo. We have talked, uh, me, my wife and I, not with Zither, about doing a non-limited edition stand um, with this different kind of logo and make that available to you guys. But I, I don't know. Like I said, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but it's just, it's like more stuff to do all the time. Uh, next question is, hey, you never talk about MIDI guitar. What's your views? Uh, I've tried it years ago. Very cool. MIDI guitar... <clears throat> is that thing that reminds me that I'm uh, dumb. <laughs> MIDI guitar, I throw that up there with the Axe Effect system where I'm like, very cool. I Actually, you know, dumb is probably not even fair. Not even to me is not fair. Here's what I want to say. Um, what is it? Uh, <laughs> what is it? I want to say OCD, but that's not what it is. What do you call it? Uh, 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 ADD. Uh, that's what, uh, those products remind me, like, or make me think maybe I have ADD, <laughs> maybe I'm undiagnosed ADD, uh, undiagnosed. Maybe I'm like, Hmm, because I sit down with that stuff. And sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know. This is too much, but I like MIDI as a concept. I, I just don't have the attention span for it. I've used different ones and I love what you can do with it. Again, it, to me, this is all like a tool and all these tools and there's a ton of uses for them. I think for MIDI, to me, that's what I liked about the Line 6 Variax guitar and the idea that it's kind of the very easy version of that, you know, MIDI concept, but it doesn't have all the all the features. Trust me, if I was if I could get into MIDI, I would definitely get like one of the Godans that have the, you know, the multi-act with the MIDI and do all kinds of cool stuff. I just, I, I, I have well intentions. I think, um, and I, this is also point, something to point out. I have bought too many of those kind of products in the past. Like I said, like, like I said, I'll use the Axe Effects as a good, perfect example. I had an Axe Effects here at the house for seven months, <laughs> maybe a little longer. It was sent to me and I had well intentions. I sat with it and I did this stuff with it. And then I go, then I did some more, you know what I mean? And then basically over time I realized like, oh, it's been five months and I really should use that. And then eventually I'm like, okay. And they're like, so what'd you think? And I'm like, oh, it has to go back. So same thing with MIDI. It's just, too, it's just not, it doesn't grab, it, I don't have any desire to do it. So I'm just too straightforward. Like two knobs is enough knobs. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, I, I say that, I don't know why I'm just going to say this, but it makes sense to me to say it right now, just so I don't have vein. If I was a successful musician of some sort and I had like a person that I said, hey, program that up, that's what I would do. <laughs> so yeah, then I would have MIDI and Axe Effects and all kinds of cool things. I'd be like, yes, program that stuff up. This is what I want. Sometimes I see videos. That's what made me think of this. Sometimes I see videos of these guitar players and they're like, I don't know, my tech does that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> I would just have somebody do it. I'm trying to understand the question. Phil, are there as many magic amps as there are magic guitars? I, I, I take that question as, or that subject as, you know, sometimes guitars are referred to as magic because they have something like special. They feel like the tone, the way they play something about them is different, exciting than another one just like it. 
strats are notorious for this and the idea that this strat sings a different way than, than other strats. You know what I mean? This, the notes kind of come out of it uh, a lot differently and, and kind of fuller, better. Sure. Amps are like that too. Um, I actually, I would take it further and say there's tubes like that. In other words, I've, I've had this experience very few times in my life, but I have had it where I had an amp. I loved it years and years go by, blow a tube, usually a power tube, preamp tubes, not as much. I don't think I've ever actually had that problem, but I had, I had it happen with an amp with power tubes. In that case, the amps, the, the power tubes had to be removed, new ones, biased. The amp never felt and sounded the same. Now it could be because I had a little gap in time and then I got it back and maybe, I don't know, maybe something changed, but it just never felt the same. Um, which is why it's actually happened to me twice in my life. So, you know, and so to the point where if one of my amps that I love now blew some tubes and I had to take it in for service, I would probably already be prepared to sell it once I get it back. This one was a good question I grabbed. It says, uh, is there a better way to support a company through their, is it better, not is it, is it, is it better to support a company through their own website or buy through Sweetwater, Chicago Music Exchange, eBay, so and so on, through dealer networks? This question I like because this really comes down to companies are now selling direct to us. So the question is, you know, is it better to buy direct from them or buy from the dealers? In my personal, uh, personal opinion, obviously is this. Um, and it's a weird tirade to have, but I'm going to give it to you. I, I really am. I really have very few things that really get under my skin and irritate me. One of the things that gets under my skin that irritates me is when I go to the grocery store and again, people are from different places. So let me explain my grocery stores, like a lot of them in the United States. Now I go to the grocery store and you go to check out and they have self-checkout self-checkout irritates me. The reason is, is because I don't get any of the service. There's no way to bag my groceries. There's, you know, there's not a, a, a person, a cashier to talk to for a minute or ask a question. There's no service. And I have to pay the same amount. It irritates me. <laughs> it irritates me sitting in the self-checkout when I'm standing there. In fact, I always get a little, not grumpy, but you can tell it, I have some kind of chip on my shoulder. And the reason is because I'm sitting there. Sometimes, you know, you're forced uh, at like Target's good for this. You go and they've shut down all the registers and now you just do self-checkout. And my irritation comes from basically a couple things. First, why am I helping them put a person out of work when they're not even giving me anything for it? First of all, I don't like the idea of putting anybody out of work or hurting anyone's livelihood. That's the first thing that irritates me. But the second thing is I'm doing this without any benefit to the customer. In other words, there's no cost savings to me. You know, remember when there was uh, now, of course, New Jersey and a couple of states where they still have it probably don't understand this. But do you guys remember self-service, right? And full service gas stations. You go to the gas station and, of course, the full service went away. However, in this case, I'm like, that's how I look at the grocery store. I would pay. I'm serious. I, I honestly God, I would pay if they charged me, you know, a couple bucks or a little bit more for my groceries to go through the non self checkout. I would do it. Some of you guys wouldn't. So you'll be in this. You'll be in the self checkout. That's fine. Why does this all? Why does it all connect about? I'm talking about with direct sales to customers. Exactly that. If the if the manufacturer wants to sell direct to me, that's great. But why do I have to pay the same price as a retailer, even though the retailer is supposed to give added value, which is services? Um, a lot of times, a lot of you experience this. Fender is probably to me the biggest culprit to talk about. Their customer service for their website is not great. And some of you guys are going to say things like, that's fine. You're going to say things like, no, I bought online direct from Fender and it was great. Well, I've also done it 
Friends of mine have done it. And ultimately, either your best experience is it, they shipped it, it showed up, and there was no issues. But as soon as you have an issue, talking to them, it's not like they're difficult by nature. It's not like they're hard to deal with or they have attitudes. They're just not set up for it. So refunds take forever. Uh, exchanges take a long time. I- issues are hard to deal with because they're not really conditioned and set up that way. So what I'm pointing out to you is, is it better to, to is it better for who is the question? It's better for the manufacturer to buy direct because they get to keep 30 to 40% margin in their pocket. However, my question is, what do I as the consumer get for that? I get to help put the mom pop out of business. Again, back to the cashier thing. Great. I'm self-checking out. I don't get any benefit from it. I'm just hurting this other person financially. I'm not getting the service. And I'm not supporting my local economy, Chicago Music Exchange example, if you live in Chicago, right? I don't know what's Sweetwater. Hey, if you live in Indiana, helping your economy. So the question I like about this is, I, it's, I think it's an honest question that says, hey, you know, is it better to support them by giving them the margin? It is. But what I want to tell, tell you on this question is, although that's a great question, here's another question to add to that. But what's good for you, the consumer? I think, like I said, uh, I, I remember about a year ago, year and a half ago, I talked about on the podcast Behringer, and Behringer made the decision to cut off all the mom-pop stores, all the dealers, and, which they did, and sell direct and only allow four key partners, which ended up being AliExpress, Amazon, Tolman, and Sweetwater. There might be another one in there. I don't know, but those are the four that I think I remember. And I said... <clears throat> They also decided to drop the prices about 10% across the board. Again, giving us the value of, okay, we're not going to have a middleman, so to speak, but we're going to cut you in on the deal. There is a benefit to us in that, that we get a discount. There's also a, a, a lack of a benefit in the idea that now your local mom and pop store or your local business, you can't buy Behringer there and support your local economy. So, there is a double-edged sword here that we have to consider. And again, I'm not here to villainize an idea. It's really just discuss the idea, okay? I don't have the answers, um, but I do know that we should be talking about this. So um, the million-dollar question really comes down to is what what's good for the consumer is usually good for the business, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. So if it's good for you, then maybe you should go to that. But a lot of these ideas are not good for you. Like I said, buying direct from the manufacturer. And so, you know, uh, I, I, cause I, like I said, I like to be very upfront. I do a lot of, a lot of consulting for a lot of companies and I tell them the exact opposite of what I'm telling you. I tell them to do direct. In fact, I've pushed as many companies when I've talked to them to going direct as possible. Why? Because I'm being paid to help them and it does help them. That's why I tell them here I'm sponsored by the, the patrons and you guys. So you're asking me what's good for you. I think what's good for you is to not buy direct from the manufacturers. It sounds like a conflict because it is, but it's honest. It's an honest answer. So uh, I would buy from my local businesses or businesses I trust first, especially if I'm not having to pay extra. There's added value that's just given to you there. That's just my opinion on that. I did a uh, video, if you guys recall, uh, it pissed Fender off on an epic level. (laughs) <laughs> and one of the main reasons I decided I did not want to have a store and a YouTube channel at the same time, which is when I did a video uh, called, 
I don't know. It's still up. I forget what the actual title. Uh, apologize. You know, I have 800 videos now. The video was basically I bought a guitar direct from Fender and I bought a guitar from Sweetwater and I compared them. Okay. And uh, in this particular situation, as you guys know, the Sweetwater video, our Sweetwater guitar performed better. Same guitar, bought them. The Sweetwater guitar was better. Why? Because they looked like they checked it. The Fender guitar did not get checked. Obviously, it pissed Fender off because if you guys don't know this, the video was taken down. Uh, Fender asked me to take the video down. A representative from Fender asked me to take down the video. And um, I did what I would probably do now. As I said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. However, it was presented to me that as a dealer, I was uh, contractually obligated to do that. So I did. And then... uh, We'll be right back. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little, you mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying to oh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. yeah. Me, me, me. Yo, look, 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 look. No, look, look, look. We all artists, man. We go you feel me? We gonna have this like me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit Hey, stop going to my store. <laughs> it literally happened that fast. And then uh, I think probably if you guys follow the timeline, like right after that, it was like, hey, I'm not doing my store anymore. I'm just doing YouTube. Um. So anyway, so back to this thing, um, and that was the discussion then as well. What, is, what did Sweetwater give me for the same price? They gave me added value of their customer service. They gave me some free candy. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but it's not because, again, it's added value. So Chuck Chris says, hey, I remember that video. Yeah, you know what's funny is that video was going viral. That video probably would have done a million views. It was going viral when they had me take it down, and, uh, and then it went back up, and I don't know if it did really well after that. I just remember my wife told me this. This is recently. My wife told me, that's the most pissed off she's ever seen me probably in my life. I remember when Fender called me, I was at a parent-teacher conference at my daughter's school. And I remember screaming, I'm not exaggerating, in the hallway of my daughter's school that I was at my daughter's school at a parent-teacher conference. And they're on my time. And why are they calling me my YouTube video? Because my YouTube videos weren't connected to my store, as you guys know. I had a store. I was making YouTube videos. In my mind, they were separate. They weren't like the other channels that have you know, YouTube videos in their stores. I was doing it separate. And uh, I remember just being so freaking pissed uh, to the point where I wouldn't talk about it for years. <laughs> so now I just talked about it again. So it was all therapy for all, for me too. But anyways, back to the importance of this is buying direct, sure, why not? But if you can buy and support your local economies or other businesses for the same price and get added value, I do that. Terrell says, I love Fender guitars. I do not love the company. Yeah, here's the problem. Fender, when I say Fender, we very clear. It was people at Fender. Fender is, businesses are people. Those people, well, I can tell you right now, one of them in particular doesn't work at Fender anymore. I didn't have anything to do with that, of course, but they don't work there anymore. So maybe in today's regime of Fender, I wouldn't get any grief. Who knows? I don't know. I just know they were pissed then. Even though when I started making videos back in like 2016 and stuff, and 2017 is when I kind of really pushed on it. 2016, 2017. Although YouTube been around since what? 2000, when did it come out? 2008, something like that. I mean, it had been around for almost 10 years, but our industry was like, what's YouTube? (laughs) 
<laughs> that's what kind of made me start going, ah, maybe I should do some YouTube videos. Even though it seems like it's been around for a decade, this industry just like discovered it. The theme I've been pushing for since I've been on YouTube, which is I can't control the environment. I just can't. Uh, a product gets sent to me. It's defective. It's not defective. I can only tell you what I see. If I buy a product, I can only tell you about my experience. You can only really share experiences. The whole point of YouTube or this social media market, this live show every week is to talk and sh share experiences. You know what I mean? And uh, so when I have an experience, I just share that experience. I always find it funny when you have a good experience, you're lying. When you have a bad experience, you're mad or you're vindictive or there's some kind of negative. There's always some kind of negative connotation, which always cracks me up because I'll, I'll even redo it, not redo the video, but I'll even do it again. Like I said, that experience with Sweetwater was positive, but I did another, I bought another product from Sweetwater. That experience was negative. Somebody points out, why are you being negative to Sweetwater on the next video? I'm like, well, I wasn't. I was just, this was this experience. I'm just going to share the one experience with you guys that I had. With Fender, I didn't understand. So, you know, YouTube was too new to me. The whole world was too new to me. I didn't understand at that time. They had no way to, to stop me. And there was no reason to stop me from taking the video. And to be honest with you, I bet you the executives or anybody at Fender higher up didn't even see the video or care. It was just really the sales side of Fender that was pissed off. Does that make sense? Um, Fender was in a uh, Fender was in a position because they just started selling direct. So I think they just didn't want the negative energy out there of that. But I didn't know what I know now, which is, you know, when you make these videos, uh, you just make them and you put them out and you leave them for people and let the people decide what it is. Chris says, Fender's QC is way better than Gibson. Sure, I could see that. That would be my experience, too. Like I said, I, I, I think Fender does most things the best. I've always felt that way. They, they are, they have a, I think they have one of the best cultures out there of their internal and their companies and Again, just because you critique one thing about something doesn't mean all of it sucks. <laughs> that's just, that's the energy the, the internet loves. <laughs> You're like, hey, I love it. It's great. I wish it was $10 cheaper. Like, see, he hates it. You're like, I guess. I don't know. That was just one thing. Uh, Alex2112, nice, says, hey, Phil, what do you think of the Hughes and Kittner amp behind you? There's a Hughes and Kittner amp behind you? Holy crap, there is. This is a two, two Meister 5. I love it. Uh, I absolutely love this amp. Um, I put a link just so in case it came up, because obviously it's in the background. It's uh, It was used. In fact, let me, let me click it. Let me make sure I did. I did. Um, this amp, I put a link to the song this amp was used in. Not this exact one, but this model. Um, it's a really cool amp. In fact, when I was in uh, Germany, hanging out with the Hughes and Kintner guys, Richard Morgan, who's used to work for Hughes and Kittner and now he works for Thomas Belug. He has his own YouTube channel. It's a very good YouTube channel. So check it out. Uh, Richard is probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Super intelligent. And when I was in Germany, we were discussing amps and stuff. And in this discussion, uh, he brought up that there's this artist named Steven Wilson and he recorded this album called to the bone. And on the album, I put the link to the song uh, which I can't remember, something about uh, Eat the Darkness or something like that. And that artist used the Tubemeister 5-watt amplifier. And um, he was explaining that I guess it's a really cool, like kind of like piece of gear. And I'd seen them dirt cheap for years. I never really gave it a shot, never tried it. 
And uh, I finally, I don't know what made me do it. I Even though they spiked in price, I think they were really high at some point at 400 bucks is the high. They spiked in price and I decided for some reason to buy one. And I got it. And um, it's a really cool amp. It's not like the other two Meisters, okay? And I've had this experience before. You've heard me talk about the Blackstar 1 watt amp and how much I like that much way more than the Blackstar 5 and the 20 watt amp. It's like its own little thing, even though it's part of the same series. I feel this way about the Tubemeister. I think the Tubemeister 18, the 40, they're great amps. This is its own thing. Um, yeah, Kevin's like, Stephen Wilson is not just an artist. I know, he was in uh, Porcupine Tree, right? Um, anyways, um, the importance of this is, yeah, yeah, Porcupine Tree, right, that's what I thought I understood. So, um, yeah, he is awesome. Oh, you guys are like, I know, I'm, I'm just trying to get to the point of the amp. I, the artist, of course, is fantastic. But the point is, is that this amp is a two-channel amp, uh, but it shares the EQ and the gain and the volume. And in the back, it has the red box DI. And it also has a button in the back that lets you kind of put a load against it so you have no sound. And um, you know what? I can show you guys. How about this? I never... Oops, I turned off my mic. Let me do this real quick. Let me show you, let me find a pick, uh, what I use it for. And uh, this is why I like it. So right now, what you're going to hear is this amp, uh, the way I use it for my, this is for my personal, see, the non-YouTube world. Uh, right now, your this amp is not plugged into this cabinet that you see. It is actually plugged into my Two Notes Cab M, and then it's direct into my interface. And, uh, and... I have my SG right here. <laughs> okay. And. Okay. You guys will hear it. Let me go ahead. I'll stop talking and play. Hold on. you're hearing is uh that amp plugged right into the cab m and that's it <laughs> okay uh and so for me what i love about it yeah uh, uh gone false sounds incredible it, it's it's i was talking about this amp last week because although i love like my dirty shirley and my small box and the marshalls what I found was this amp can get, it warms up. It does the exact opposite of what usually you know the HK is for, which is they kind of have a little top and fizz. I'm not running the gain really hard. I'm running the gain about 12 o'clock and they usually are a little bright. And what's funny is running to the cabin right now, I have the treble on this at like 80%, uh, which is not normal. <laughs> but there's something about this amp and the way, it's almost like a beautiful tube preamp. And that's why I, I, I told you guys, um, I'm not making this up. I bought, where's the other one? Yeah, I bought a second one because uh, I wanted to have two of them before, <laughs> before I told anybody about it uh, because the fact that, um, you know, there's not a lot. I'm not worried about the prices going up, but I think there was like four or five in the market. Uh, I don't recommend this amp highly to you guys. I think, like I said, um, if you're looking for something like what I'm using it for, 
um, is something like a direct recording or a light, quiet amp. It's really quiet. There's no effects loop. So the effects are coming from the fact that it's in the two notes. But, man, it's a cool amp. I really, really, really dig it. Um, and I have a lot of fun. And I wish, really wish I bought one when they were 250 uh, that would be my best advice, you guys. If you ever walk in a music store and you see one of those dirt cheap uh, and you think you might use it for direct recording, I think it's cool. It's probably my favorite direct recording amp I've ever, I've ever used. Uh, Steven wants to know, is the SG neck heavy? It is a little neck heavy. That has the, I have a couple SGs. This one is the most neck heavy of the three that I own. This one has the Grover tuners and that's pretty much why. I told myself, these are lockers. I told myself I was going to take them off and put lighter tuning keys on it, like hip shots and just too lazy. <laughs> just didn't do it. Um, but uh, that's what makes it pretty much uh, top heavy. My, I have the exact same amp, or exact, sorry, I have the exact same SG in a different color and it has clues on keys and it's not top heavy, even though it's almost exactly the same way, uh, weight. Um, Brown Fox says, direct recording amps, question mark, why not use plugins at that point? I have plugins, but let me tell you, it's, it's, it's not about the sound. Uh, you know, I can use uh, plugins all day long. There's something about, um, the way a note hangs around. Um, it's really tough for me, uh, to the point where, um, I'm trying to say it best, um, to the point where if your amp, I've learned a couple things about amps over the years, trying so many amps. When an amp is really good, I mean, it's really good. It doesn't need reverb. When an amp really sustains and it has a lot of just, uh, just not volume, but just when it has that kind of tone and magic, doesn't need delay. Now, I was running delay on this and stuff, but I don't need to. Like I said, it's just the way it kind of feels. It just feels different. And it sounds, a little, and that makes me play a little different. So... Uh, before I was using this, what I was doing was plugins, but what I was doing was I was hearing one thing. So in other words, I would always, I recorded this way for years. I hear the real amp and then I run a line in and then plugins are what the recording would hear. You know what I mean? And I would kind of go, okay, that's how I'm going to record this for the song. I'm going to make the plugins, the tone, and then I'll have the real amp in the, in the room. Um, cause keep in mind, even though I, like I said, this is direct recorded right now, you were hearing a direct recording. I was hearing the real amp. <laughs> that's why I needed to, uh, that's why I muted my internal mic that you see right here, because otherwise you would, you would he actually hear. So this is what I hear, which is different. You're going to hear a lot of string noise because the guitar is very close to the mic. Versus this. That's back to the room mic again. So I have, because remember, I don't use headphones. <laughs> I've tried. I can't do it, man. I I use, I say I don't, but I just don't use them very often. I'm not a big headphones person. So direct recording, I don't use headphones. Um, I get what, uh, uh, I've heard this uh, before from professional musicians I've talked to. I get also what's called um, studio monitor fatigue. Believe it or not, uh, I guess that's a real thing. I didn't know it. Uh, I was talking one day uh, to a professional en sound engineer, uh, producer, 
And they were saying, well, when you play, do you ever, you know, when you're playing direct and stuff, do you use the monitors? And I'm like, yeah, I do. But over time, and I was explaining what, what I hear that have, I have a problem with, and they said, oh, yeah, you get fatigued from the monitors sometimes. And they were saying that you can pick better monitors and do all kinds of things like that. I currently have, like, three different sets of monitors right now I'm testing and going through, but I'm still having about the same problem, which is I, I get a good sound, and then I, like I said, it just, over time, it kind of wears on me. You know what I mean? So I like to have, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, I like to have an actual speaker in the room. So, yeah. And then, like I said, it's fun. I'm having fun with it. And then Gon says, solid state uh, amps, I'm sure, uh, have less feeling in the tone. Good tone, less feeling. This could be true. I found, like I said, I really, really believe this. I believe that... Um, you know, some stuff just speaks to you and it just works with you in a certain way. And sometimes I, I there's solid state amps. I like better than tube amps. There's tube amps, but I like better than solid state amps. You know what I mean? It, it just depends. It's really tricky, but yes, generally speaking, tube amps, uh, have a different feel to them in the way that, you know, you react uh, to it. Um, they sound more compressed to me than, than, um, solid state amps. And some people describe it differently than that. And, uh, but I say compressed because I think a compression is sustained. Again, tube amps to me just have a lot of, like the note hangs around. And I've done videos over the years about sustain and things that do sustain. And I always love the comments. They're like, who wants sustain? And I'm like, I don't know, me. <laughs> I do not shred. I do not play fast. I like to play notes or chords. And I like those notes and chords to hang around to the, you know, as long as they can. So let's, uh, let's go to howdy there, Phil. Howdy there, Phil. Happy Friday. What riff or lick makes my hair, he means my hair, which I don't have hair, so we don't have to worry about that, stand up all on my arms. Well, good for you for pointing that out. I still have those. Gary Moore does it for me. Frank Marino, too. Thanks. Have a good show. Um, Who does it for me? What riff does it for me? You know, um, it might be I'm All Right. Neil Zaza, it's either I'm All Right or Lightworker. Here's what I can tell you. If you listen to the, both those songs, one of them will pop out at you as being the one. It always reminded me of this kind of same thing as Cliffs of Dover. You hear it and you go, oh, man, that just sounds so cool. Why it kind of speaks to me that way is not because it's such a great riff. There's so many songs like, you know, great songs that have such great riffs. But it's a riff that I can't imagine even I learned to play as, as best I could. And even playing it, I think, how would you think this up? This just sounds like one of those things like just I don't know how you come up, you know, come up with something like that. It was so cool. Matthew says, when installing humbuckers, do I prefer the steel braided one lead wire or the more modern four lead wire? What about when making your own pickups? I started when I started doing the humbuckers, I was using the uh, braided wire pickups um, because I don't usually coil split the bridge pickup. That was logical for me. And then if a customer requested a four lead wire on the neck pickup, I would do that. I slowly gave in to, <laughs> to, like everybody who makes anything for customers, I gave in to the customers, uh, which is the smart thing to do, and uh, started making four lead wires for everything for all humbuckers. Uh, so I don't have a preference. I didn't have a reason for doing that. One of the things I like about the braided wire pickups is, um, is that uh, they're insulated better. You know what I mean? That wire braiding around that, that ground uh, insulates the wire uh, better, in my opinion. 
than the foil they wrap around the four lead sometimes. So uh, a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, whether you shield the cavities on humbuckers or not. In most cases, I don't think you have to. I think you can get away with it as much as, you know, as much as anybody else. Although every once in a while you will get humbuckers and you will get some, some noise coming through. And so if you, you know, if you, you can shield the cavity as well, but I've found that a lot of times that always happens to pickups that are using the four leads, because like I said, they just wrap that little piece of foil around the wires and the insulation is not as, in my opinion, not as good as the braided. Um, so that's why I stick to the braided more, but, uh, but I, I don't even do braided wire pickups anymore just because I had to pick a, I had to pick a lane and everybody was asking for four lead. So I do them. So that's it. But so that's why I use four lead and then why I always like the, the braided better. Um, but there was no, there was no, like it sounded better. Um, uh, and, uh, and it wasn't like it was easier because the braiding's pain in the ass. If anybody who's done it, I hate it. You know, you do the twist and try to solder it to the, you know, it's just a pain in the ass. But, um, but uh, like I said, I think it insulates it better, shields it better. Okay, so um, how can I tell if hardware is chrome or nickel? Okay, so he wants to match his current hardware. Uh, do you have any experience with Daddario Auto t- uh, trim tuners? Yes. Uh, lots of experience with those. I'm not a huge fan of them, although I wouldn't like, you know, I have a guitar. I have a guitar with them on there. That's how it came new with those on there. I fine by that. But I, you know, I, I didn't find it to be a miracle by any means. Uh, I didn't go like, oh, every guitar needs these now. They're very cool. Um, if you need locking tuners, I would put them up there as in the top 10 locking tuners to add to your guitars. But there's just nothing about them that makes me want to put them on all my guitars. And there's nothing that makes me want to take them off my guitars. That being said, how, your chrome versus nickel. Um, well, I could just tell you, obviously, the chrome is brighter than the nickel. But one thing I can tell you that helps is um, it's easy to find chrome. So find, this is what I would do. And this I'm just pulling this out of my, my head. I would find something you know is chrome. I'm like looking around my room. I mean... There's tons of things that you can find, like that's chrome for sure. Like find something you know is chrome and then just hold that against your hardware. And it, the nickel will be obviously a little a little darker. Nickel, nickel hardware tends to have a uh, not the glassy mirror sheen that uh, chrome does. I mean, I prefer nickel to chrome, but I agree with you. When people mix it up, <laughs> it, really se- it really pops. I can't stand it. Um, it just seems out of whack to me that, you know, one's like a mirror and then one's just this, you know, not that shiny, not that shiny look. Yeah. And a lot of people are giving you suggestions too about hard, you know, hard silver look versus warmer look. And those are all great too. Um, but like I said, all those suggestions will probably work really good. But if you're, if you're nervous, I would just find something that's chrome for sure and just hold it against there. Hi, Phil. Bought a new Squire Tele Deluxe 70s. Needs a setup. Uh, nut cut also. Uh, high B and G strings. The highest two frets need leveling. Low action kills notes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the, the nut was cut too high, which is good, because if it's cut, they're cut too, sh- uh, too shallow, you can always make them deeper. So um, I think you're just telling me that, right? It's a good good to know. Uh, Ibanez Prestige Boy, who who doesn't like Ibanez's and only likes Jackson, says, best way to fix high fret without a file, only sandpaper. I have a video, 
Uh, it's uh, basically it's the uh, slick guitar, the the surf green one in there. I I do I do take care of a fret. I level and crown a couple frets using essentially sandpaper. Um, what I would do is watch that video or any other videos on on that issue. And what I would use if I didn't have any files or anything and I wanted to take a fret down, what I would do is use 400 grit sandpaper and steel wool. And then, like I said, get some uh, masking or painter's tape and paint up the pickups or tape paint up, tape up the get some masking tape and paint. No, I'm just kidding. Get some masking tape or painter's tape, tape up the pickups. And uh, so that the, uh, you know, none of the steel wool gets on the pickups. That's what I would use. Super easy. Uh, and then I love, I always love suggesting steel wool. It's my favorite thing in the world to suggest now, because whenever I suggest it, I'm going to get 10 people telling me, telling you in the comments never to use it. Although I use it, I've used it for decades and I, I mean, everybody uses it. It's just, like I said, you just got to make sure it doesn't get on your pickups. It's about the biggest issue. Um, there's other things and they're better, but Everybody can go down. Look, you can go down any, you can go to the dollar store, I think. <laughs> so you can go anywhere and get 400 grit sandpaper and some steel wool, and you can definitely take care of your frets. Uh, you just need to make sure you know what you're doing. Go slow. Don't move a lot of material off the fret, and you'll be fine. So, um, Mike, hey, Phil. I have a Warmoth parts caster. Really love it. Swamp ash body, maple neck with rosewood board. JB in the bridge. Love it. But it's got a very bright sounding guitar. It's a very bright sounding guitar. Any suggestions to darken the tone a little? Sure. I would imagine with the ash and the JB, the JB to me has a lot of mids, and that's probably the culprit in that case. I would suggest this. Lower that pickup. Um I would probably take whatever the distance between the top of that humbucker to the bottom of your low E string, start there, but make sure it's across, double that. So if it's, you know, I don't know, a quarter of an inch, go to a half inch, right? Uh, if it's a millimeter, go two millimeters, whatever you like to measure, measure it. Double it. And then play for a minute and see if that tames some of the highs. Of course it will, be because uh, we know it will, but I mean, see how much it tames the highs. If you find you like that, what you might be just lucky if it's not super close to the pickups, you might get just like solved, problem solved. Adjust the pickup height, uh, great, and um, and also make sure that the uh, the pickups not tilted towards the high end, the treble side of the guitar. Make sure that it's more even or even tilted a little bit more towards the bass side. Those things adjust the pickup height. If it solves the problem, great. If it doesn't, if it doesn't solve the problem, but you notice and and uh, it improves then I would definitely switch the pickup to something that's lower output. Um, that's probably what's happening. I find that, but we don't even have to talk about tone wood, just the guitar itself. Some guitars are just naturally bright sounding. Some guitars are just naturally dark sounding. It's the way that the strings resonate, you know, and vibrate and everything. And pickups, I, I've said this before, pickups really do, uh, they can... Sometimes they can clearly define and hear what the guitar sounds like and translate that. But a lot of times they just accentuate things. So if your guitar is bright, a pickup can accentuate that. If it's dark, it'll accentuate that. But a lot of times you can go the other way and get the pickups to kind of back off that. And so I would definitely uh, see about getting a 59. That's what I would do. Seth Lover, if you're going to stay Duncan, go Seth Lover, 59 in the bridge. Do something like that. I'm sure it will have a good result if you want to stay the same brands. Um, and, um, but that's some, some things you can try. See if that helps. 
Paul's looking for a great clean amp for home use. Princeton 68 question mark. Oh, that's the amp I have. <laughs> this is too much bass flubby when drive it. Yeah, well, of course. It's the 68 is darker and bassier and more compressed than the 65 Princeton. So if you don't like those things, definitely go towards the 65. If you like, that's if you like the brighter side. If you like at the 65, you try the 65 and you're like, man, it's really bright and it doesn't have enough low end and it's not as compressed, like it doesn't sound as tight, then I would say the 68. The 68, that amp is essentially the modded 65. It's this, they put a Celestion in it, which obviously kind of darkens the tone a little bit. They did some modifications uh, that, uh, to the, to the input uh, preamp stage. And I like that amp uh, because of that. That's what I like. But I don't have a problem getting highs out of amps. Some, some of you guys have the exact opposite. You can't get the amps bright enough. So I spend a lot of time because uh, a lot of the guitars that I like by nature, look, I like a lot of light guitars and a lot of light guitars tend to be bright. And so that so I'm usually trying to find a way to fix that problem. You know, that's, that's the whole know your gear Logic is you got to keep trying things to figure this out. You know what I mean? How do you get these things to come together? That's just what I've learned. The type of guitars I like are really bright. Um, that Parker is bright. That Kiesel behind me is kind of bright. It's just they're brighter sounding guitars. So I like the amp to not be so bright because uh, I find myself EQing. I don't like to EQ things out. That's a, another thing I don't particularly care for. So if a guitar is really bright, I don't like to take the EQ and change it out. I like the amp to be almost like... If you put all the knobs at, at straight up, then the amp sounds great. <laughs> it's like a perfect wool for me. So, uh, Clown of House Cats. Clown of, not clown. I always say clown. Uh, it says, uh, do excessive scraping on the binding from the factory that get clear-coated clear over ever uh, <laughs> affect resale value on Gibson? Um, long, jagged marks on, on, on chunks missing. Look, we talked about it a couple weeks ago about how Gibson gets a pass. I couldn't predict that in a million years. Uh, my buddy Eric uh, sent me a message after I did that. And he said, he said, he, he wanted a Les Paul studio, so he bought one from Sweetwater. He got it, and he sent me a picture. Um, and it had, like, lacquer just bubbled, just crappy all over the side of the neck. And uh, long story short, he sent it back, got another one, and the other one was a little better, but it still had issues. And then he's like, what is with this? And I said, yeah, this is what it is. We just kind of, Gibson's ingenious. They've they've basically, they put out guitars that are not perfect. And and you can, I love it when people are like, you know, I don't want to buy them because they're not perfect. Well, then, then don't. I, I I buy Gibson's. I, I, I do exactly what I, I preach exactly what I do. I complain about Gibson's. And their quality, and I buy them because I like them. <laughs> I just am aware of that. I'm aware that I can buy a better, aesthetically quality looking guitar, fit and finished better. I can buy better quality type products for the money, but I buy Gibson for either the sound or the you know the heritage of it, all that stuff. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, either buy them, don't buy them. <laughs> but yes, but I think if you want to like Gibsons, no, I don't know how I'm trying to say that. If you're going to like Gibsons, you're going to have to get used to the uh, the imperfections. It's just part of it. So it's nuts. Um, yeah, uh, 
Bill Coates, oh, 06 saying Epiphone uses poly, so they're perfect. Well, they, not only that, I mean, Lacquer's just got issues. It's just the process. Remember, Gibson isn't, Gibson doesn't tout that they have innovated anything, right? They don't go, you know, when you go to their factory, they're like, look, we fixed it. We made it better. Look at, they, they're just like, look, we do a cheesecloth and we put the binding on like they used to. Again, they're, they, you know, you're going to see the issues. I like to think of it this way. What I can tell you um, uh, about Gibson that maybe helps, even though gas, Gibson is mass-produced guitars, they are, in my opinion, no different aesthetically than most of the handmade guitars I've come across in my in my travels. Um, I, you know, you you handmade guitars made by great builders. Look, there's builders. I have a cool video. <laughs> Ooh, I don't even want to tell you guys. I'm really excited about it. I don't think we'll get a lot of views, but man, am I excited about this video. Um, but uh, there's a lot of hand builders out there that do a lot of guitars and they're really cool. And, but they have mistakes. They make mistakes. And when I see Gibsons, I kind of see that. It's part of the thing. It's just part of it. Like I said, I will honestly tell you over and over again, and I've said it in so many videos, if you want a perfect Gibson looking, you just get an Epiphone. It looks better. It's fit and finished better. Uh, Brian says, once you go Gibson Custom Shop, nothing else matters. There, I said it. I don't know. I've owned, I own Gibson Custom Shop, and I own Fender Custom Shop, and um, they're very good. So uh, Jeffrey says, Phil, new guitar day earlier this week, Gibson Les Paul standard bourbon burst. I love the bourbon burst color. The neck gets sticky when playing. That's the lacquer. Uh, any tips to fix? By the way, I have the same exact 2018 SG as you. Love love the channel. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, there's a couple ish things you can do to fix the sticky. Uh, the most extreme, of course, is you can sand the lacquer neck, which uh, rock stars for years have done to Gibsons. I don't recommend that, but you can do it. Um, when I talk to... Uh, to Ron Thorne, he was talking about using McGuire's, uh, McGuire's uh, uh, Carnuba uh, wax without pumice in it. That's important because you don't want anything that's uh, abrasive. And you can put a little, I mean, a little dab will do you, right? You just put a little dab on the cloth and you can put it on the finish of that and um, get it really slick. And that will help you too. The The problem is, um, that's it's a problem when you, when you have a lacquer guitar. More so than anything else, polyurethane. When you have a lacquer guitar and it's getting sticky, huh? sadly enough, what's causing it to get sticky is it's getting warm. That's what it is. Your hand is warming up the lacquer and it gets sticky when it gets warm because um, it never truly hardens. So, you know. And again, I'm keeping this very basic because I'm a very basic when it comes to finishes and what I know about finishes. But I've, you know, I've, um, and, um, and uh, yeah, so he says, stop sweating, no sticky. Exactly. That I mean, that's really what it is. You gotta, you gotta not sweat, sweat, and you gotta make sure that you um, not get the lacquer warm. But otherwise, you gotta sand it, or you gotta uh, put something on it that's. And that's what the carnuba. I bet you that's what it's doing more than anything else. Is it's reducing the friction so that it stays a little cooler and doesn't get as sticky. That would be my guess. It's a viscosity problem. That's what your problem is. So I know it's tough. Um, like I said, I'm very lucky because I have very dry hands. Uh, and so I don't have a whole lot of that problem. But um, sometimes, you know, when it gets warm, it gets a little sticky. But 
Um, it's also your hand and how you shape it. And my hand is pushed for farther away from the neck that again, there's air to keep everything cool. Um, uh, Randy says, do you have any experience with the Fender show masters made in Korea? 2004. Yeah. Fantastic. They were made in the, uh, the world factory, same side by side with, um, with uh, Schecter's and all those guitars. Same concept. I don't know exactly why they did it, but in my brain, I'm like, Fender probably just went there and said, man, these Schecter's are really good. Make us some of those. <laughs> Put Fender headstocks on them. The Showmasters were killer uh, strats. Only thing I didn't like about them is the bodies are a little small and the necks were a little uh, small, which made it really cool, but not if you're a traditional kind of Fender person. Kind of felt, you know, like the neck was a little too t tiny. But man, if you like the smaller necks, they were killing it. So fantastic guitars especially back then for the money. Uh, back in 2004, those guitars were like 500 499 for those. Ooh, those were the days. I don't know. They probably more than that now used. Very cool. Set neck. Seymour Duncan's. Very cool guitars. I like them. Mark says, hey, my new Tom Murphy R8 is arriving tomorrow. First Les Paul ever. That's a good way to start, man. <laughs> I get my first car next week. It's a Lamborghini. Anyways, any advice on amps, etc.? I have the most fun with the tone. Uh, money, not really an issue. You know, it's great. I, here's what I can tell you. I have the R9, and uh, like I said, there's some things to love about those Gibson guitars, and there's some things not to love. What I will tell you is they do have the mojo of tone. It is crazy to me. Um, I've owned, you know, many Les Pauls, but the R9s, R8s, and R7s, ROs too, right? So uh, the uh, R9 is the 59, R8 is the 58, R7 is the 57, RO is the 60. Um, there is something about the pickups that the neck thickness, the R8 is going to have a really thick neck, by the way. Um, there's just something about that guitar. When you plug it into an amp, any amp, it just sounds really huge and the amp really comes alive. So what's great is, you you know, you can buy whatever amp you want. <laughs> um, the, you know, you normally I'm a fond believer when people say, hey, buy an expensive amp and a less expensive guitar. I'm a fond believer of that theory, you know, right? Buying a nicer amp and a less expensive uh, guitar. I think that's great logic. Use that all day long. However, like I said, with the Gibson uh, R series, these custom shops, I will tell you that, you know, it doesn't really matter what you plug into. The, your katana is going to sound uh, so much better. Um, because of the fact that they're just a very big sounding guitar, a lot of, a lot of tone to them. Um, so congratulations. It's a very, very cool guitar. I have a video on my R9 coming soon. Uh, which is my joke now on the podcast, whether you realize or not, every video is coming soon. <laughs> Says David, says advice for my first electric guitar that can last a lifetime. That's it's and he says if possible. Well, it's definitely possible. Any guitar can last you a lifetime. Um, between five hundred thousand dollars US, uh, maybe a Player Tele or a PRS SE Custom Twenty Four. Any thoughts? I would go with the Player Tele over the SE Custom. Um, I I well, you want a lifetime guitar? Get a Player Tele. Get a Telecaster. Uh, Unless you hate Telecasters, then that one makes sense, would it? But it doesn't sound like you do because you're mentioning one. I think if you get a Made in Mexico Telecaster, you can own that guitar forever. That Better than Lifetime. It's going to be, it's past your lifetime. <laughs> I don't care if you're 15 years old. That Tele will be around for your grandchildren. 
I would get the Tele. Um, if I was going to get a first guitar, there's a lot of great guitars. Like I said, we talk about it all the time. Schecter, LTD, the PRS SE series. There's just tons of great guitars out there. However, you know, what's great about a Strat and a Tele um, from Fender Made in Mexico is that's one of those guitars that you can get and then it's you're done, right? You're either going to, one of two things is going to happen to you. You're going to get the Tele bug and then you're going to need another Tele um, and it's going to be a more expensive one. <laughs> And that's, and but that's not a need. That's just like this thing you're going to want if you want that. Or you're going to play that telly and go, I like it or I don't like it. Either way, you want something different. There's no reason to get rid of that telly. That's what's great about a guitar like that. You just keep that. A telly is a guitar that it's just, it's just a great guitar to have. Um, I would highly recommend a telly to, as a first good guitar for anyone. I don't, I don't think there's a downside to it. Yeah, a lot of people are going to tell you, love tellies. And then there's going to be three guys going, I hate tellies. And that's okay. Like I said, that's what's great. So, and then uh, Bullets for Teeth says, don't underestimate Fender or Squire. There are some good stuff out there. Yeah, and so you know, Squire is up there too. I, I don't have a problem recommending Squire, but he was saying Fender. So I just went that way. Yep, Reverend. But see what I was talking about? This is why, this is what's great about having a community, but also why you can understand why uh, uh, these shows are fun for a lot of uh, viewers is that they they go out there on the forums and they go, hey, I'm looking for a good guitar for 500 bucks and they get 300 answers. And I understand uh, why that gets confusing. And none of those answers, honestly, none, most of those answers are not wrong. <laughs> that's the problem what's a good pickup for 50 bucks i don't know here's 50 of them pick matt says uh he's been eyeballing a gibson les paul tribute does the made in usa value justify the price difference of a high-end epiphone i also play upside down so the used market doesn't always work out for me okay yeah playing upside down's uh trouble um no no the les paul tribute series as you know i'm a big fan of them and I'm a big fan of the Epiphone series. I think the whole point of the Les Paul Tribute series is exactly that. You just want to buy this guitar that's made in USA. There's just a factor to this that's so strange to talk about, but it is a factor, okay? A made-in-China Epiphone is not likely to hold the same value point as a made-in-USA Les Paul, that even if that Les Paul is stripped down, think about this. They attributes exactly that. They they don't put a uh, a gloss finish on them. They, you know, they 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 downgrade a lot of the hardware. In fact, most of the hardware and stuff components on those guitars are imported from somewhere. So it's not really you know the same as the top tier Gibsons. Yet it does have the Gibson branding, and it can say made in USA, which is really back to the Gibson branding again. Does that have? Does that have cachet? Yeah, of course it does. That's an honest answer to that question that really you'd have to think about. What I would say to you is this. Of those two guitars, the honest question that I would ask yourself is, what value do you hold on those guitars? Is it important that the guitar say Gibson? Don't be ashamed of that. That's like, there's nothing, there's no shame in not uh, valuing a brand and there's no shame in valuing a brand. We're all different. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, I like to use Eddie Van Halen as this perfect example. So many guitar players are huge fans of Eddie Van Halen. I'm, of course, one. And 
there's something about owning a guitar that Eddie Van Halen, you know, the Eddie Van Halen guitars. There's just something about this, you know, picking up the stripe guitar and playing a chord on it, you know, your favorite Van Halen song. There, there's the same thing. That emotional response is so important to all these things that we discuss. This, the sanity thing, is not important. In other words, logic doesn't make any sense here, in the in the guitar community, in the musicians community. We're not in that part of our frame, of our mind. We're not in the practical mind. We're in the emotional mind, <laughs> right? I find that I find that sometimes there's nothing wrong because I do it all the time. There's nothing wrong with having a practical discussion about the gear that we like and the music we like and the stuff we like. However, sometimes it's kind of like when you're talking about a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you have a fight and you're telling your friends about it and they try to stay in the practical part of their mind. They're like, ah, oh, well, you know, they weren't that great for you anyways. But deep down, you're like, I just want to call them, right? That's the mindset I like to stay in when I'm on the show when you guys are asking these questions, it's, do you love this person? And should you call them? Not, well, did, you know, they didn't remember your birthday. How good of a person could they be? The same thing with guitars. Let's, I try to stay more on the emotional side and less on the practical side. In this case, I would definitely ask yourself, do you care about how the guitar feels and sounds? The Epiphone will do everything you need it to do. There's no down question. There's no down point to that. Or do you really want to just be able to say, hey, I own a Gibson, and there's no downside to that either. So that's what I would say to you. That's the question you have to ask yourself. Um, the only thing I can tell you that helps you is that both guitars are totally fine, and you could tour the world with either one. Voodoo Fist says, any gear predictions for new guitars, amps, or pedals that we might see in 2022? Have you heard any rumors about anything cool coming your way next year? Yeah, but it's not fair anymore. Uh, at this point, let me let me tell you what's been going on. We're at the end of uh, we're at the end of 2021. <laughs> hey, I know the year. Knowing the day is just impossible for me anymore. But knowing the year is good. I feel like I I won if I know what year it is. 2021. So towards the end of 2021. So during the last year and a half, let me tell you what I've been doing that you guys don't know about. It's okay to start talking about this stuff now. Um, I've been mentioning a lot on the shows over the last year and a half, NDA, 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 non-disclosure, non-disclosure. Well, there's been something going on, and it, it, it just so happened to work like this. A lot of companies, as you know, develop a lot of products, and how they do that is they ship those products to artists who then play in front of people and then give them feedback like, hey, the guitar was top-heavy, the guitar stayed out of tune, the amp exploded on stage, that's not good, the pedal... Uh, knob shot off and st hit a viewer or a, a <laughs> somebody in the audience in the eye. You know what I mean? They give them feedback. Well, there was nobody touring or playing. So I ended up working with a lot of companies in the development side of things, uh, helping with products to be developed for the next year or two. Um, makes perfect sense. Uh, what a perfect substitute for if you don't can't get an artist to do their thing, you could get a YouTube channel reviewer with a ton of experience to go through products and give you some, some stuff. That being said, I've been exposed to a lot of products that I know are coming out next year. So that I'm telling you this one is what sucks is normally to answer your question, which I've done over and over again over the last few years. Um, and, and Voodoo Fish, you, you know, super chatting me 20 bucks. And that's why I'm giving you this honest uh, assessment of this. I don't know why I keep saying honest today. It's something in my head. Um, anyways, uh, so the rumors, I don't have rumors. I have actual information. Like I, I can tell you multiple products that are coming out. What I can't, 
what I can't do is tell you what they are because I have NDAs. Uh, so let me tell you something I, I, I can't tell you, but I can insinuate. Um, I'm trying to how to word these. Let's see what I got for you guys. Uh, there's a guitar. Here's one. Let's see if you guys can figure it out. I don't care. Let's see if you guys figure it out. There's a guitar that is really, 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 really doing well and expensive. And everybody's like, why don't they make the import version of it? Well, that will be in January. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of that. They're doing a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of companies ramping up for January right now for next year. So there's a lot of cool stuff. I will tell you in January, there won't be a NAM show, but there will be some really cool product releases. That's for sure. Uh, especially because you got to understand, not only is there a lot of companies uh, that have been developing stuff that will be releasing in January, February next year, but you got to understand a lot of stuff that was supposed to be coming out over these last year and a half, two years, they've been holding back because they didn't have production uh, ramped up to do these products because they've been just trying to keep production, you know, under control of what they were already ordered. So there's a lot of new products next year. Um, so unfortunately, all the ones I know of, which is a good amount, I've worked with in some way. So they have me locked down in some way or another, not to tell you exactly what it is. So there you go. But the, the good news is, Voodoo Fist, there's cool stuff coming because I've, I've seen some of it and played some of it and maybe accidentally let it in the background of one of my videos once. I think that happened once or twice. Like it was just in the corner of a video for a second. I was like, whoops. Um, Let's do this. We're we're at an hour and twenty minutes in. Let's do the giveaway. Let's get let's do that. I like I like this because uh, you guys, a thousand of you watching right now, check this out. Guess who reached out and talked to me? Actually, I reached out to them. As you guys know, if you watch my videos at all, uh, this week I did an orange amp. I did the Orange Crush one twenty. I'd like to point out, I love this so much. You guys are so great. Uh, a lot of you guys liked the video and said a lot of great things. A lot of you were like, hey, why are you, re why are you reviewing the Orange 120 when the new 100 comes out? Well, that's why I did it. Because I don't know if I'm going to review the 100. I don't have a relationship with Orange, so you know, I'll see if I can get one through other means. However, uh, I have no reference of the 120 or any of the Crush Amps, so telling me the new one's better, which is what everybody said in that video, but the new one's better, I wouldn't know that. So I made sure I reviewed the Crush 120 and... That's why I reviewed that. Plus, not to mention, as the new one comes out, dude, the 120s you can score really good deals on. So it'll be... Um, so now you know I liked it and it was cool. And if you want to get one out there and at a deal, get one out there at a deal. So American Music Supply, when I was talking to Greg at AMS, he was like, hey, let's do something else cool. And I said, okay. So down in the link down below, there's a contest. You go, It's to AMS. We're going to give away this pedal. You guys may not know what this is, this thing is freaking killer. This is the Simplifier DLX. This is going to make any of you that have a problem with knobs have a heart attack. There's a lot of knobs on this. <laughs> Just looking at it. I've never... Now, here's what's funny about this. Ready? It even has a separate foot switch for this. Um, the best... I watched a bunch of videos. The best one I would definitely recommend is the one that Andersons did where they, him and Pete, uh, Captain and Pete go through it. What this essentially is is everything that the HX Stomp is, okay? So don't think of it as confusing knobs. I promise it's not confusing at all. It's basically got delay, reverb, preamps, cab simulations. What this is is an analog version of essentially what the Helix uh, or the HX Stomp is, okay? Not Stomp. Is that right? Yeah, the HX Stomp. So in other words, you know, if you want to do direct recording or use this on your pedal board as your uh, interface to the PA systems, all that stuff, that's what this is. But 
analog-wise. Obviously, if this scares you with a lot of knobs, imagine the screen and all the scrolling you would have to do. This, you can just turn knobs and do stuff. And like I said, when you start looking at it, you, you kind of start seeing it quadrants. They even use different knobs. So very, very cool. So these are about 450 bucks, $500. This one they're going to give away. We're going to give it away next week on the show. So go ahead and enter. Unfortunately, you have to be in the U.S. for that. But don't worry. The next product I'm going to give away at the end of the show will be international. So we can do that. So he says, I'm confused. Wow. Look, man, you have a whole week to figure out if you want this thing before you enter. <laughs> So you can enter to win it. Um, again, what's great is I want to do more of these giveaways. Uh, the giveaways on the channel are really straightforward for this, for the for the live shows. For the live shows, the podcast only. Here is the giveaway deal. It works exactly like this. Uh, I don't get paid for the giveaway, and um, I don't get uh, any free gear for the giveaway. This is just for you guys. So the, like I said, I want to be very clear as this icon properly – I can't even point to it. But somewhere in front of me is a fan-funded icon. <laughs> I guess look at that. Right. Look at that root there somewhere okay uh the the live the the podcast is, is sponsored by the patrons there's 460 patrons that sponsor this show i appreciate them very much and um and that had led me to not doing any kind of stuff like this for for a long time and then finally one of the patrons said well why don't you just you know do it to help you know help the viewers do something for the fans although i wouldn't you know viewers not fans and uh so we're doing that thank you greg and ams this is pretty cool like I said, simple fire. It is simple fire. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but there, now you go. The link down below to do that. Like I said, the other product will give away towards the end of the show, and I'll pick that winner in real time. Uh, and that could be international, by the way. That one. So I know you guys keep saying, "Hey, but no shipping outside the U.S." I'm working on that. We'll get there. Like I said, I can't guarantee all of them will be international, but I promise you, at least every couple will make sure. Everyone gets included. So, um, questions. What are the questions? Oh, yeah. Okay. New Guitar Day. This is a question. It says, just got my Gibson Standard 50s gold top to keep my Standard 60s burst company off reverb. All the guitar plus joy at $800 off retail. You convinced me to buy used. Now I do need an SG. Yeah, buying used is a great way to save money. Obviously, calling and asking for discounts, talking to people. A lot of you guys keep... Uh, that's probably the most thing I get the most uh, comments from you guys is, you know, hey, you told me to call and talk to somebody, and I did, and I get a good deal. Um, and it doesn't matter who. It's not a t It's not attached to any any particular brand. Um, by the way, AMS said, happy to support the channel. Thank you, guys. American Music Supply. Um, what's great is is exactly that, like Amer American Music Supply. Same thing. Call and talk to somebody. Call and talk to people is the best way to do anything. Um, it's so, it's so weird that we're so, that's the way we did everything forever. And then all of a sudden it's like email only, internet only, but definitely talk to somebody. It's always a good idea to do that. And like I said, I always tell you guys that even though I remind you over and over again, that if you click links and stuff, there's that supports the channel. But I tell you, keep your money, <laughs> right? It's your money. You keep it. So um, I get all this magical YouTube money that comes through the internet, <laughs> apparently. 
It is magical. Uh, Surf the Jap Strat says, Phil, have you ever tried a Zinke era Fender amplifiers? Of course. We talked about the ProSonic last week. That was one of them. Uh, it says, in particular, I own the Fender ProSonic. <laughs> uh, it says, which I find to be fantastic amp, completely different vibe than most Fenders. Absolutely. We talked about it last week. Uh, uh, and uh, what we talked about was that it it has more gain. It's like a Saldano. It has a very Saldano high gain vibe to it. There's a used one on my Craigslist, but like I said, it's the head. I If I ever got one, I'd want the head. The problem is head, no reverb, combo reverb. And what I want is doesn't exist. I want the head, but I want the reverb. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I should get the combo and put it on top of a cabinet. Um. Okay. So this is Grumpy Mike Guitar said this is be interesting. For the tone jar and why not? He says, thanks to you, I'm probably going to buy an MT-15. I don't think I should get the blame for that. That's And that Tremonti interview, that was Tremonti. Mark was just a, that was amazing. I'll, I'll tell you guys a funny, not funny story, but a funny thought on that in a second. Tremonti, uh, don't need it. Oh, of course, we don't <laughs> just want it. It's a it's a good sickness, right? It's, uh, well, it's the, it's better than anything else. This is the best. If you're going to be addicted to something, this is the thing to be addicted to. Um and uh, and if it's in, uh, and if it's not, well, then I promise you, we'll slowly change the channel to Gears Anonymous. We'll have a weekly meeting about that. So you guys know I have more of those videos coming out. I did the video with uh, Mark Tremonti this week, uh, and of course I did uh, Doug Pennick the week before that. Uh, Sammy Bowler uh, will be next week. I don't know if he'll go up next week, but I'm uh, talking to him. And then there's a there's a line of artists that we'll probably be doing at some point. Uh, in this gear-themed QAs. Uh, Tremonti was funny. Here's why it was funny uh, interaction. Um, the original interview, it was edited a little bit because the original way he got, when we connected through Zoom, as soon as we connected, he saw my Bogner and he got excited. And he's like, oh, you have a Bogner. And then we just started talking and I didn't hit record yet. And then at some point in the conversation, I'm like, oh, well, I got to hit record. And then I hit record. And then the way the recording starts, I go, oh, and... Oh, and then we'll get back to that. And then it was a weird start. So I had to kind of edit it a little bit so that the start was fine. And that just really tells you how we're all the same. We're all these musicians who just love our amps and guitars and pedals because he 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 didn't even wait for the interview to officially start. He just went into it because he's, you know, he's like us. He's like, oh, that's something cool. Let's talk about that. Um, and then I started talking about his amps and he started talking about the amps and it's really, really cool. Don't feel bad. Um yeah, I bought an MT-15. It actually showed up today. <laughs> so I had an MT-15, and I, as you guys know, I, I ended up letting go to, for my Archon. Even even though, like I said in that video, I go, they're really close. But at that point, I I was like, I already have the Archon. Do I really need another amp? Um, and then through a long you know, transition of years, I got rid of the Archon. And when I was talking to Mark, like you guys, I was like, really need an MT-15, especially since I played the new one with the 5881s. And I was like, man, it sounds a lot better. I was like, I should do that. And then after the inter after the end of the interview, I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, I, my buddy Joe, uh, who, who you guys probably know, he was on the, uh, the Sam Ash video I did years ago. I text Joe and I said, Joe, I'm thinking about getting an MT-15. Do you still have yours? Because he's the ones I played with, the 5881s. And he goes, yeah. And I said, I think I want to get one. And he goes, you don't need one. You got enough amps to cover that sound. And I go, I know. And then I swear this is true. Ten minutes later, I, he gets a text and it goes, yeah, I, I just bought it. 
Uh, so, so, I, so you know what? I'm just telling you guys that if you guys end up buying one, just don't feel bad. I did it too. Uh, and, and, and so you actually even just give you, just to, so you know how bad our sickness is. I actually sent an email to Jean at PRS and I said, hey, because you didn't know I interviewed Tremonti. Tre, Tremonti's manager is the one who hooked, hooked it up. That had nothing to do with PRS. And so, or any, you know, manufacturers. Um, and um, I emailed her and I sent her a link to the interview. And I said, oh, I, I did a video with Tremonti. I said, hey, I, I, if you have any MT-15s, I'd like one. That was on Friday she said, okay, when I get back to the office on Monday, I'll let you know. And on Monday I, I morning, I sent her a text and I, or an email and I said, hi, Jean, thanks. I go, don't, don't worry. I bought one on the weekend. So I, yeah, it's funny how you have a shame, right? I have like a shame tone. Like I can't believe I bought it, but there's worse things to do. There's worse things to do with your money and your time. I think. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Grumpy Mike, what I'm telling you is if you do, you're in good company. I, yeah, there you go. Uh, MT100, everybody kept asking, when does it come out? Um, I got the vibe it's supposed to come out early next year. That's the vibe I got. Um, obviously, I can tell you uh, this uh, very clearly, because uh, like I said, that interview was not orchestrated or connected in any way through PRS. When I sent them a link to the video, of course, to Jean and stuff, she responded with, she liked the really, she's like, oh, that was really fun. I enjoyed your video. And then she basically said, oh, I'm sure the guys at PRS are not going to be super excited that he started talking about all this stuff. Um, Because I'm sure it's like, hey, we're not ready with this yet. Um, But uh, from the overall conversation with Mark, I got the vibe. It was happening sooner than later is what I got. So we'll see. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so let me get back to get back to work. Smilly Cats Jazz says, are you able to talk about the KYG Kiesel, uh, Kiesel thin line timeline? Timeline, not the thin line. Uh, I could use a strat with a nice heel to put a drop C, but I, I need to recover from the holidays. Okay. So what happens to me now, <laughs> and I'm not upset by any means. You guys are awesome. Uh, is, uh, uh, I release information to the patrons first, of course, like all these channels. We all do the same thing. Patrons support the channel with financially that way. Like I said, you guys all support the channel by watching. I appreciate that just as much. It all has it's it all has a, a very important weight to the overall performance of what you do here, right? Um, but of course, I send them and discuss with them certain things that are just not ready to to be uh, for mass consumption yet. And like we did the zither limited stands i talked about we're going to be doing a limited run of pedals a limited run of guitars a limited run of amps there's going to be a bunch of uh, kyg limited runs and all of them in the same vein of concept which is they're not signature products they're not my guitar they're not my pedal there are things that you could normally buy packaged uniquely without an upcharge or in some cases a discount the concept is like kind of like a group buy like hey if you ever wanted one like this i'll make sure that, you know, or not make sure I can make it happen. So, uh, yeah, at this point, it's probably still too soon. That's why I don't want to talk about it too much. Um, so, uh, Con- Kosnick? Kosnick is saying, Kiesel D- Delos, yes. So, if you guys know, obviously, um, you know, we've talked about my Fender Custom Shop Strat for many years uh, and the fact that it's a crazy expensive guitar if you want one now. Um, I, I, I've had viewers over the years tell me like, hey, I went and talked to my Fender Custom Shop dealer and they want $7,000 for your Custom Shop Strat. 
that's I think that's what it costs now because you have to have a one master built if you want the specs and and exactly like mine. Mine is not a master built custom shop strap. Mine was a team built. But as I point out many times, when we had that built, I had the store. We were a custom shop dealer, and we had them build a bunch of these in different colors, spec'd out exactly like we wanted. And so Fender gave us this deal, and I think that Street at that time we could sell those for like twenty five hundred bucks. Uh, those days are long gone, of course. And so, long story short, I've talked to many companies over the years about something I think is simple as, hey, have you ever thought about adding the, you know, I want to, I have this copper strat, it's specced out this way, can we duplicate that, not as a signature guitar, but as a, if you guys want that. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story uh, that that's funny about that guitar is, it's called the copper strat, it's not copper. That's the funny story that's it. That's the end of. <laughs> that's it. Next. Next question. No, I'm just kidding. No, the it's called the Copper Strat. The color is not copper. Um, when Fender made that guitar, the the prototype of the Copper Strat for the for the things, they sent me a sample, and I thought it, I thought it was pink, and I go, that's horrible, and they go, that's copper, and I go, that's not copper. I live in the copper state. Like Arizona is the copper state. That's why I wanted it, <laughs> right? The copper star and the Arizona flag, copper. I said, like the copper star. And they said, well, that's brown. I said, well, no, that's copper. This is, again, everybody's going to have different opinions about this. The importance is we had to make it a different color to make it the color it is. So why that's funny is, <laughs> is that uh, I, when I uh, talked to Kiesel, they understood what I was saying. And they're, uh, they got the color right. So what's going on with the Kiesel guitars is there's no signature guitar. This, again, this is important to, to mention. We are going to do a limited run uh, of them, but it's not limited like the stands. You can buy this Delos whenever it's ready, right? We still have to get to all the, we're, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of this where it'll be ready. What it is, is if you want a, if you want a Delos Strat, we'll have an option package that you can get that's just like mine, you can just do whatever you want with it. You can go, okay, I want that color, but I don't want his configuration of pickups and stuff. I don't want this neck. I want this thing. I want that. You can just do whatever you want, just like any Kiesel. You just order it any way you want. All I did is said, hey, will you duplicate this guitar for me in feature set? I really like my Delos. Can you make your, you know, these options available? So they'll add those options. What I don't know is if the options will be a new thing that they'll option they'll have from now on, or if they'll just offer those options for a limited time to anyone who wants them. And uh, what we're discussing, which has not been 100% confirmed, which is why he's mentioning is, uh, I said I was trying to get them to con confirm with me making like 10 of them at a better price point. In other words, not having upcharges and stuff like that if you want to change things. So that's what we're uh, working on. So that's what it is. And But that's the great thing is we're going to be doing this over and over again. And now I can talk about it because it is in motion. Like they have, they are building it. They have, they have spec'd out the guitar. They are building it. It's probably maybe even built. I don't know. They just haven't shipped it out to me yet. Or if it's, if it's not built, it's towards the end of the cycle because it's been that, that time frame. So it's, it's, it's okay to start talking about stuff like that. So that's it. Again, it's mostly for fun. You know what I mean? This whole thing to make some fun stuff. But mostly for me, it was every time, like I, I just did a video the other day uh, that you guys haven't seen yet, but I'm playing my Copper Strat. Every time I play the Copper Strat, just like a lot of stuff, just like all the YouTubers, just like when Pete Thorne plays a guitar and all of a sudden I want that guitar, just like all of you guys, or Mark Tremonti talks about his amp and we all want his amp. Not all of us, but you understand. Um, that guitar always gets me a little... Uh, nervous 
because like I said, you can't get it. Not, not that strat, not in those specifications. Uh, you can get all kinds of versions from Fender, but not that version. <laughs> Eddie says, uh, Phil, I bought a quilter because of you. Love it. Thanks. Yeah. See, that's, it's great. Like I said, I, I like the fact that I like the fact that we're all, it's really, to be honest with you, it's like every week a bunch of addicts are all hanging out talking with no supervision. That's what really, what's what's the New Year gear show? Uh, it's the show where a bunch of addicts all have no supervision and talk to each other and think that's a great idea. <laughs> Led by a bigger addict who then tells everybody how good their decisions are. Because, <laughs> all right, patient zero says, hey, Phil, my name, oh, my new Strats High E saddle is all the way down and the action is still high for my taste and the neck is fine. Any suggestions lower it? Question mark. Well, if you can't lower it because it's all the way down. Um, somebody was asking me about uh, this question earlier. I caught it, but I couldn't respond to it yet, which was somebody was saying they were looking at a used guitar and they said they shimmed the neck because the saddles were bottom out and the, the action was still too high. In your case, uh, you have a, uh, your Strat, new Strat, I don't know if you're saying it's new to you or if it's a new strat, you know, new uh, strat. If it has a micro tilt, that's what that will fix. You can use the micro tilt on the strat to adjust that. If it doesn't have it, don't worry about it. You can shim it. A piece of sandpaper will take you a, a, a million miles. Uh, you know, you'll be fine. Uh, I would shim the neck. That would actually fix the problem and you should be able to adjust the saddle up uh, or, or leave the saddle the way it is and the action will adjust. But that's what I would do. Just shim it. Super easy. Uh, gone fall, gone fall says what makes a guitar not fixable? Hmm. Money. That's what does, uh, in my, in my experience over the years of fixing the guitars, my limitations are, have always been the money, uh, more so than anything else. Um, which is, this is what it's going to cost to do it. And then they go, no. <laughs> so I think a guitar can pretty much look, I think at this point I've seen master luthiers, uh, literally master luthiers do things like, I mean, they could take a guitar that's disintegrated to dust almost and rebring it back to life. At some point you can bring something back. That's extreme. So let's not go there. This is say for the most part, most guitars can be refinished. Guitars can be, uh, you know, uh, fixed and repaired all day long. Twisted necks get a little tough. That's a little, that's a tough one. That's almost a hard one to get past, but in most cases, it's money. Money is the problem because it's a cost thing, obviously, just like anything else. You know, do you want to pay $1,000 to fix a $300 guitar? Do you want to pay $10,000 to fix a $2,000 guitar? That's the, so uh, that's what makes guitars usually not fixable, which is why I love YouTube because now when those unfixable guitars come up, uh, you guys who are you know, savvy can learn to fix them and fix them. You know, some people have more money than time. Some people have more time than money. If you are the latter, you have more time than money. Sometimes that's where you can win. You could take a, a problem that somebody's not willing to give their money for, and you can use your time to fix it. So, Ran, Ran K says, Phil, I bought a Ford pickup truck. Thanks for your recommendation. If there's one thing I could tell you, I would not uh, recommend that. And it's not a Ford Chevy thing. I'm, I have a, not really big on American cars uh, for a ton of reasons you would never want to know about. 
Christopher Jones says, my wife, Gina, is buying me a Players Plus. Not secretly, of course. Humbucker single, single strat from Musician's Friend. Any opinions or something to look out upon receipt? She says, hi. Yeah, buy it from American Music Supply because they're, they're, they're giving away a cool pedal today. Um, on that note, <laughs> the, the, um, some things to look out upon receipt. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty easy thing. You do the visual inspection. You go through and make sure the fit and finish is good. Right now, I would definitely, if you're buying anything from anyone, Fender, Gibson, Schachter, anything, I would definitely take the extra time to go through it and look at a guitar right now. There's a lot of stuff. We've talked about this. COVID has created a you know, huge demand and, of course, a, a real burden on resources, uh, not only finite resources, but also human resources. And some things are slipping through, and you can see that. So, yeah, you want to do that. Uh, there, There is on the um, – if you go to the Blackstock website under the downloadable PDFs, there's a uh, Fender – there's a Strat inspection form that I have that you can download for free, and uh, it'll just give you all the tips. And there's a video, how to inspect a, a Strat. That video is me walking through it. That video I did on on how to do electric, I did acoustic. Um, uh, I did a Gibson Les Paul. I did those videos – based on not even my repair knowledge. That was just years of, like I said, when you take guitars on trade, what were we looking for? When we got guitars from manufacturers, what were we looking for? Um, you know, everybody has a, a, a different opinion on what you should look for. I, I based my sheets and my opinions on the fact that uh, I owned the store and every bad decision affected me financially hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Buying a guitar that was bad, um, you eat it. You know what I mean? That's what you do when you're a business. Every bad decision you eat, uh, every sour, crappy bit of it because of the fact that you can't pass it on to your customers, you know, the, and so, um, so I started developing like, okay, this is what I'm looking for in a sheet. Not because I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I just realized as any person, if you have a checklist, you tend to not make as many mistakes. I find, I found in my experience of doing that, and I've said this uh, uh, obviously many times too, and it's a very important. Sometimes, again, when we talked about earlier about your you know pragmatic kind of mindset versus this emotional mindset, sometimes somebody would trade something in, and again, it's for the business, and I would get excited, whether I was just excited as a guitar player to see that guitar come in the store, or excited like, man, we're going to flip that so fast and make a lot of money. And in that emotional state, you stop paying attention to the important things. So I was like, how do I, how do I keep myself in this practical mindset when I'm emotional? And so, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's why I made those sheets. So I would definitely do that and see if that helps. Um, so, uh, like I said, that's why I, I did those videos too. Hopefully it helps you a little bit. It helped me. So I just figured it might have a shot. Uh, Seth says, Phil, thanks for doing the show. It's great to, uh, way to unwind after work week. I love the content in the community, man. I love the con. I love that you love the content and I love the community and I appreciate that. It's like I said, um, this show morphed over time. It was this thing I was doing. And to me, it was like, okay, they're asking questions. Let's just talk every week. And, um, now it's like I said, it's, it's nice. It's nice to, it's nice to end the week, um, you know, with, hanging out with guitar people. So I, I'm glad you guys like it. I like it too. Mike says, Hey Phil, any way to darken the sound of my parts cat? Oh, we already did Mike's. We did it out of order. Jeff uh, says looking for presents to add to my wish list. What? 
I have lots of guitar tools, screwdriver, Allen wrenches, etc., but nothing for socket parts, pots, tuning keys, etc. You use anything specific, uh, guitar-specific set? Sure. Um, well, I use the socket set from Stu Mac, uh, the socket drivers. I have a regular socket set as well. Uh, it's a it's a Husky set. I think that's what is that uh, Home Depot's brand uh, that I've had forever. Um, that works. I have nothing really special. I use the socket drivers from Stu Mac um, for no particular reason than it's just easy to grab. Um, you tend to find that you need two sizes, one for the output jack and one for the tuning key, keys, and that's pretty much the two sockets you're going to be doing all the time, besides maybe the ones on the, the actual potentiometers, uh, which is usually the same one as the output jack. Is that right? I think that's right. Um, so even though they have three, that's what makes me laugh. I have three of the socket, uh, drivers from Stu Mac. I only use two. Um, if you ever look at my videos, you'll see them behind me. You can see, I, if you look real close, I wrote in Sharpie on them, which was one says output, one says uh, tuning key. <laughs> so, uh, that's it. It's just dumbed down process for ease and, and stuff. Um, but other than that, no, I mean, like I said, I mean, it, it, you don't need a whole lot of tools. If you're just a, doing setups and stuff, it's really not a lot of tools that you need some basic tools and then just get familiar with them in every way that will help you more than anything else. Machinery kid says I got to use victory sheriff 22. Absolutely love it. Uh, this is the Marshall I have had, uh, in my head forever. Yeah. Like I said, I always say this and I kind of feel bad, but I feel like everybody does Marshall better than Marshall. Now when it comes to volume, sorry, when it comes to making volume that we can tolerate. I uh, did a review of the Sheriff 22. It was one of those good amps I liked uh, from the Marshall Tone guys. The Tone box, I should say, of Marshall. I don't know why I'm saying it this way. Um, and like I said, I own a Marshall. I own two. I, I got rid of all my Marshall 20-watt heads. I got rid of all of them. Um, to me, I use the Pedal Pal 800 and the Pedal Pal Plexi. And I run that through and everything, and I, I love those. Um, but I still have my Marshall JMP 2161, 2061, which is a 20-watt style plexi. And I still have a Marshall 50-watt plexi um, that I absolutely don't use. <laughs> In fact, right now it's sitting behind another amp. Um, why? I don't know. I bought it and I have it, and then I, I don't use it. Um, it's just too freaking loud. And I spend all my time kind of making sure it's, you know, we're using a black box in the back or an attenuator. So, yeah. It's funny. I wish Marshall would really kind of dive into the the lunchbox craze. I think Marshall would kill. I think uh, all these guys would die in a second. Um, I've told uh, you know I've told every company I've ever talked to about this that does a Marshall, whether it's Dave Friedman or it's the the Victory Sheriff or I don't know you're, the, any anybody Marshall in the box. I tell them all the same thing. They're one amp away from going out of business. In other words, Marshall all Marshall's got to do is make the amp that we all want which is essentially a Marshall that we can tame the volume down and get the Marshall toned without cranking it. And uh, although I reviewed uh, the, the, the Silver Jubilee, the 20-watt, and the 800-20-watt, I never reviewed the Plexi-style 20-watt, but same issue, if not worse than the other two, which is sounds great. Quality's great. I liked everything about it, except for the fact that, like I said, you couldn't. You still had to use an attenuator to get them to... <clears throat> excuse me, you have to use an attenuator to get them to sound good at lower volumes. And then that defeated the whole purpose of why have a smaller amp. Um, what you need to, to get those amps to sound good, um, you know, that's not what we want. We want to just plug them in and play. So 
That's just my thought. But there's, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't give up hope yet. Marshall will eventually make the amp we want. I have a feeling. Or they won't. I don't know. Maybe they'll sell Bluetooth speakers and headphones. I was I was just thinking of Marshall this week. I was watching Adam Carolla's podcast on YouTube. He has a, you know, like like my podcast. He puts it out and then he has a video of it. And he's sponsored by Marshall and they it's the headphones and the Bluetooth speakers and he was talking about it. And I was watching Anne Hache was on the show. If you don't know who Anne Hache is, Probably makes sense because <laughs> it's a bunch of guitar players. Uh, anyways, what was funny was watching Adam Carolla and Hayesh and a bunch of other people. And he goes, today's sponsor is Marshall. They make fantastic Bluetooth speakers and headphones. And then all of them are like, yeah, they make guitar amps. I mean, of course they would make great headphones and Bluetooth speakers. And they're like, yeah. And it was a bunch of people who are a bunch of guitar non-guitar players talking and it made, and I was exactly what Marshall's hoping for, which is like, yeah, I mean, if rock stars trust Marshall's on stage, why wouldn't we trust them to make Bluetooth speakers? I almost threw up in my mouth a little bit when I was watching it. I was like, yeah, this is it. This is them. Marshall. So they sell Bluetooth speakers to Anne Heche. And that's the end of it for me. <laughs> so, oh, well. Um, yeah, well here, Brian says, I want a 15 to 10 watt JCM 100. Well, they made the 20 watt and that switches down to five Watts. Here's the real sad thing for Marshall. They made the perfect amps. Okay. <laughs> Somebody says Ellen DeGeneres ex-wife. Yes. That Anne Heche. Um, remember when they made the Marshall, um, one watt series, the real ones, the anniversaries that were, you know, at that time, I think they were like 700 bucks a pop. And they made the JCM 2000. They made the, um, they made the 800. They made the Plexi. They made the JTM 45. Uh, so JMP, JTM, what am I missing? Oh, and the, and the, um, uh, uh, what's the new one? Why can't I think of it? Uh, JVM, right? And they were killer. They were amazing. Everybody loved them. That's why they're all a thousand bucks used now minimum crazy and the only complaint everyone had only one was that was a lot of money for one watt right it was it was like you know 800 bucks for a one watt amp back then you know this is five years ago right that was a lot of money for one watt they were made in the uk they were great ultimately all they had to do was bump that form factor up to five watts maybe 10 put out all five again i don't even care if they don't make them in uk that would have done it. But instead, they didn't do anything with that series. It just died off. If you guys recall, um, they came out. Finally, they took the JCM 2000, which is the DSLs, and they made a one-watt import version of that. And I did a review of that. And, of course, I didn't love it in the review. And the reason I didn't love it was because, like I said, one of the cool things about Marshalls is they're great pedal platforms. And they literally took the gain control off the clean channel so you couldn't use it with a pedal. It was too thin. Uh, the, the E-Man, I don't know, the E-Man says, I love the DSL-40. I grant, Granted, I agree, DSL-40, great amp. It's a fantastic amp. The DSL series as a whole, for the price points, fantastic. And they need to be able to do, the DSL, the difference between the DSL-20 head and the DSL-40 is, and the these $1,300 uh, studio amps that they made, you can play the DSLs at a lower volume. I, I get it, uh, you know. I mean, I get why they want to still be loud, but 
Yeah, Magic Man says power scaling is not the same as a full attenuator. I, well, think of this. I hate both. That's very clear. I have no desire to attenuate an amp or to have a power scale down. Those are the things like you guys that most of us do to do that. Really what you want is the amp to sound good at any volume. That's really the magic, or if you can do that. And it's a very tough thing to do. But Richard Pierce says, I love my Marshall Plexi 50 watt. Me too. <clears throat> Just no one else in my neighborhood does. <laughs> so again, uh, you know, I love these discussions because I think at the core of it, I think what the takeaway is, is that there's a lot of Marshall fans here and we would like to see more more products from Marshall that maybe fit our needs. Um, it's not like, you know, it's, it's just, it's weird. I think Fender does a much better job at giving guitar players what they're looking for more so than, than, than Marshall. And I sadly, I really believe this. I think it's because Marshall's preoccupied with weirder things. Yeah. Uh, floopity do says the dirty Shirley works for me. I grin. I, again, I agree. Dirty Shirley mini to me is, is Marshall as anything comes. I gets, it gets that tone I love. Yeah, Cowtown's talking about the Class Five, uh, the Class Five, the Marshall Class Five. That was another cool amp. You know, the sad thing is the Class Five. Uh, you said you have the Class Five Marshall amp. You didn't say if you had the head or combo. The combo, though. See, I like again. I like the head form factor of the Class Five. The weird thing is, man, the combo is much better than the head. Because the combo had that cool feature where you could do headphone, you know, and, and you could flip that switch. And then it's like it made the amp get more, you know, distorted at lower volumes. But the 5-watt head wouldn't do it. So that was one of the downfalls. Uh, do Mac says, hey, Phil, I hate the neck pickup in my uh, Harley Benton. I'm, I, hollow body. I guess it's hollow body. Single cut. Custom. I'm going to say yes. That's what it is. Hollow, I think Harley Benton. Hollow body, single cut custom. Should I replace it or just unplug and just use my bridge pickup? Uh, well, no, you replace it. If you don't like it, replace it. <laughs> it's easy enough. Uh, you know, if you use it, then you need to use it. Uh, so I would replace it with something you like. Uh, otherwise, what's probably going to happen is if you don't replace it or you don't find a way to love that sound uh, in some way, you'll probably use the guitar less and less and then you'll get rid of the guitar. So, so either, like I said, come to that conclusion and get rid of the guitar and move on and get something else or fix it and make it sound the way you want. That's funny. Chris, Chris Puckett wants to help. <laughs> Just kidding. He's like, he wants to do a shout out to Guitar Center in Westlake, Ohio for the great deal on the Boss Katana speaker cabinet. So shout out to those guys. Actually, you know what? That's really cool that you did that. It's always cool. Like I said, we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the first to always admit I bash on the Guitar Center guys pretty heavy. Um, not nearly as, as bad as they, as a lot of times they probably deserve, um, as a whole. Like I said, I, I've had very few bad experiences with employees. I really like the Guitar Center employees, but Guitar Center is a chain. So it's always good when you hear good stuff. Like I said, you know, they, uh, and it's, uh, so shout out to the Westlake Ohio Guitar Center. Good, good job. Uh, said the next one says, Hey Phil, do you read all the comments? No. Your community is hilarious. Like, uh, really funny get together, local bar, restaurant. Love it. I do get to read a lot of the comments later when I index this stuff. Um, you know what I mean? It's just, it's going by pretty fast, but obviously, there's no way I can read anything when I'm 
Uh, in fact, like I said, I think I've, I've kind of explained this over and over again. I'm not in a screen to even see you guys 90% of the time. That's why a lot of times you're like, do you see my comment? I'm like, no, I'm in a different screen. I have screens I toggle between. Um, the reason is, is because uh, I toggle to this other screen because of the fact I've told you guys, when you guys are commenting, sometimes when I'm talking, I can't, I'll start reading your comment and then I get a little sidetracked. Hey, this is going to be easy. Christopher just said, thanks for being you. I don't know how to be anyone else. That sounds corny, I guess, right? It was corny. Um, there you go. That's what's going on uh, for that. I appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, music therapy last is in love with the white Parker fly. So was I. <laughs> so am I. And uh, I appreciate that. Uh, as always, I want to thank all of you for hanging out uh, this Friday. As I, I know you sure have other cooler things to do. I appreciate you guys hanging with me. And uh, till next Friday. Oh, the big announcement again, just to reiterate over and over again. Starting next Friday, I think next Friday is the, I don't know. <laughs> what is next Friday? Like, obviously, I have a calendar and I'm not using it. What's the important part of this? Next Friday is the 12th. We, uh, for the first time in the show's history, is not going to change. Uh, ours is going to change. In other words, we will through 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or Pacific Time next Friday. Nothing changes. We are on, we are officially now 3 o'clock Pacific Time, year-round. Even though Arizona doesn't participate in daylight savings, uh, I decided to make things easier for everyone involved. <laughs> the, 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 the cha- this show is just 3 o'clock Pacific Time. All 12 months of the year, all 52 episodes. It's just the same. So nothing changes. So so don't uh, don't worry next week if nothing changes. I know usually whenever we have the first episode after Daylight Savings, it's usually a disaster. So hopefully we won't have to worry. Uh, Joe says, like before you leave. I'd appreciate that if you like the you like the the button because, I don't know, it, it, it makes me feel good. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, guys, on that note, I'm going to let you go. Till next Friday, thank you so much for your time. Till next week, Know Your Gear. Hey everyone, you may not know this, but the Know Your Gear podcast is 100% sponsored by patrons. No companies have ever been involved with this podcast. 235 episodes, all sponsored by you guys. And I want to say thank you. And if you want to sponsor, you just go to the Phil McKnight Patreon page.